Hey friends, Ashton Gustafson here, and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. I hope you and yours are doing well. My, oh my, is it not an interesting season that we are in? Uh, Some waters that, quite honestly, uh, many of us have never navigated before. And uh, the world, you know, life brings interesting people into our lives. And uh, recently, I can't remember when it was, months, years, uh, in the the last foreseeable future or past, um, a new neighbor moved into town, and uh, we formed a relationship with her family, and um, she is an expert on the elephant in the room, everything that we are talking about right now. Um, and I just, uh, a couple of days ago, reached out to her and I said, hey, would you be willing to come on and talk to us about COVID-19 and everything that's going on? And, and she said yes. Uh, her name is Dr. Emily Smith. She is with the uh, Rollins College of Health and Human Sciences at Baylor University. And I'm going to say this wrong. Pardon my redneck language here, Emily. She is an epidemiologist think that's how we yeah. say it. I got it right. And um, yeah. she yeah. has become, in the last 14 days, uh, a, a local um, individual that's getting all sorts of people asking her questions from a national standpoint, too. She's got people asking her questions. And I just wanted to invite her today on the show and really just give us the truth about what's going on in the world, what we need to know, and where do we go from here. So, Pardon the robust biography background there. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I, you know, I know that that was not the best bio I could give you, but where do you begin when you introduce yourself and your work in the world? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm right across the street from you, so that's a, <laughs> a neighbor. <laughs> um I, I'm an epidemiologist, like you said, at Baylor University, and then uh, assistant professor at the Duke Global Health Institute of uh, assistant professor at Global Health. So that's that's kind of my technical uh, role. I'll explain what epidemiology is in a minute, but otherwise, you know, I'm a mom of two little kids. Our kids go to school together, yeah. uh, which is how we know each other and neighborhood. So we're all we're all in this weird you know, scary time together. So my role as an epidemiologist is just to try to sift through what's real and what's not, what should be scary and what shouldn't be scary. And then, you know, explain it to people that don't have a PhD in epidemics. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Walk with us a little bit. Hold my hand on social media. Uh, it may or may not be helpful right now, um, especially in the hands of people that aren't educated. Uh, of of what's going on, what are you seeing from the front lines of the truth of what needs to be told right now versus some of the myth and opinions and other things that are out there? Yeah, well, and it, this thing is changing quickly and rapidly, and so it is not surprising that social media can just go crazy, and one person can say this is all overhype, and then the next day go oh. Maybe it's actually not. So that's, you know, that's what I've been trying to do on social media. Uh, To make the little definition disclaimer of what epidemiology is, study of epidemics, it's not epidermis. Um, I laugh (laughs) at that. I get asked, you know, are you a skin doctor? And it's it's epidemics. And so it's how diseases spread, who is at risk of diseases being spread. So in other words, it's more of a population health science. 
And it's not a clinician. It's not an MD or a physician that treat individual patients. It's more of a, a population level science. So looking at the community as a whole, which makes it really important for this type of virus that yes, it it's going to affect people clinically, but more than we have probably ever seen in our lifetime and definitely even in our parents' lifetime, it the community aspect of this and what we can do as a whole um, is very, very important, which is where my words hopefully come in. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, and I've, and I've watched um, a lot of what you've shared recently, and again, pardon my vernacular and language here, um, but the one of the things about this virus that has, um, I guess, us puzzled a little bit is the rate at which it spreads is mm-hmm. a lot faster than, say, the flu, strep throat, things like that. Talk to me about some of those factors of why, you know, we are saying, hey, folks, best idea is to kind of stay home for a couple weeks. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've I've explained it to several people as it's like a hurricane. You know, on, in a radar, you can see a hurricane coming, but then you go outside for a few days and it's perfectly sunny. And then when it hits, it hits. And my job as an epidemiologist is to see what that hurricane looks like in the radar and to try to proactively get people to act before it hits because it you're right about it being it's a novel just to get kind of science technical on it it's a novel coronavirus so it's not the common cold it's not the flu it's new and we don't have immunity to it which is one factor that it spreads so quick the other factor is a, a term called R naught. Really, it's just that's a science term of how many people can be infected by one person. And to put that in perspective, something like the flu, you one person, uh, the R naught for that is relatively low. You know, one to three. The R naught for measles is twelve. So one person can infect twelve people. However, when you vaccinate, it throws that R naught all the way down to zero. When you vaccinate for the flu, it can reduce the infectiousness by 50%. We are learning what the r naught is for the coronavirus. Um, we don't quite know what it is yet, but it looks like it's something between two to five with no vaccine and no immunity. So that's, that is why you see this exponential spread. Another reason is for people like you and I that we are relatively young, we're in our 30s and 40s, uh, healthy, we can be carriers of the disease and not really know we're sick because sometimes in healthy adults, it can mimic you know, a cold or allergies. We're hitting allergy season now. Um, and so we might not know that we're sick, and, but if we go out, we risk infecting others who will get it. Um, much worse than we do. And from the data coming in, it looks like the fatality in older adults, and I'm talking 65, which is really not that old, and older, it is 10 times deadlier than the flu. So that's the problem. That's why we see this explosion um, of cases. So talk to me about this flattening of the curve. So none of us had this language, and now it's become household in the last 72 hours. Um, Tell me, uh, where are we? Is it still, uh, can we still flatten the curve? Um, Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And 
if if your listeners have not seen what that looks like, I would encourage them to just Google it or it's on my Facebook page. And what you'll see are are two um, peaks, I mean, almost like a two bell curves. If you look both of those bell curves, there's a line that crosses vertically for both of them. And that's healthcare capacity. So you, we want to stay underneath that dotted line because we only have a certain number of beds. Uh, we only have a certain number of doctors to take care. The problem is we are tracking along with cases in terms of how many people are getting it quickly and exponentially, um, like we like Italy saw. Italy was not able to get on top of it quick enough, so that curve went really steep, like a roller coaster, yeah. very quickly. It overwhelmed their healthcare capacity system, and they can't get on top of it once it starts going. So now they're having to make devastating decisions on who gets a ventilator, uh, running out of gloves, you know, just heartbreaking things that we are on track for. Um, so this whole flattening of the curve is its a responsibility of all of us in the community, which I think is so important for families like you and I that are healthy. None of our kids are immunocompromised. So it's, it's almost like, you know, we can go to Chuck E. Cheese and yeah, yeah. we feel fine. The problem is if we don't stay home, we can contribute to that that curve not flattening out and overwhelming our healthcare system. And to put it into context, we are not that far away from that curve getting over that capacity. And, and I'm talking days and weeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and my assumption is... Um that as more and more tests come out there, and, and I think this is a, uh, let me ask you this, this is me wondering, um, as there's more tests, then we're probably going to show more positive tests out there. Like, I, I just feel like once the test arrives in all of these places, we are going to see a massive spike up. Um, that shouldn't surprise us, right? Like, I'm just trying to navigate the media side of that. Like, well, of course yeah. it's about to spike soon because we really haven't had these tests available. I know. That's why it's so important to, that's why I've been telling all my friends for at least a week, stay home. Yeah. Because yeah. it's likely here we do not have the testing capacity yet. So I think we're all about to be surprised. And there's good data showing that there's a difference between what's called um, proactive and reactive uh, measures. Proactive means even before there's a case within our community or our county, shut the schools, shut museums. That seems really drastic, right? Mm -hmm. Like the sun's shining, it's fine. Um, the other type is waiting for a case to, to happen in our county or our community and then reactively shutting everything down then. Yep. The data shows with something like this type of virus, by that point, it's already too late. Proactive measures can reduce infections by 25% and significantly flatten that curve by two weeks. Wow. So, it, you know, it's going to give our healthcare workers a fighting chance. Yep, yep. Um, and one thing that I've been thinking about is, uh, you know, after day two or three, it, it's you're kind of like, yeah, I've, I've stayed home. Everything's good. Yes. My senses are days four, five, six, and seven. People are going to get that itch. How would you invite families, people, businesses to, you know, it's harder to keep making the decision, I think. I, I really believe that. Um, who should yeah. we be listening to? What should we be watching to, um, 
you know, just make sure that we are taking the right steps. Yeah, because both of us have two kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to go outside, you know, and, and you can go I'll, outside. That's totally okay. Yeah, that's right. Take a walk, do air high fives, talk to your neighbors from <laughs> six feet away. You know, take care of ourselves mental health wise. But I, I think what I've been doing with my kids is, and they've heard me talk about flattening the curve because their mom's an epidemiologist for at least a week and a half. Um, they're still asking, can we go to X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. even though they've heard me talk about it. So I have a jar in my house and every time they ask to, you know, I want to go to their, our favorite local bookstore, we write it on a sticky note and we put it in the jar and I, I just tell them we'll go at some point and, you know, I've put money in the jar. We'll wait to do that for some of those places, like our local books, bookstore that we love so much, we'll put it in the jar, but then I know they're going to take a hit. So if they have an online store, we'll go buy a book. But I, I think it's just being creative as families. I also think, and I, I don't want to sound so naysayer yeah. at this, but I do think we're going to see a lot happen within this next week to two weeks. And then families will just automatically be changing their minds. But this next week, and two weeks is, I just can't overemphasize how important it is to, to stay home. And that means fully home, you know, don't take walks around your neighborhood, but don't go to playgrounds, don't go to restaurants and, and just wait. Yep. 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 And if someone needs to go to the store, let one person go to the store. Yes. Yeah. Or if you can just wait until next week to go to the store you and go. get testing you know, what testing is going to help so much, but we're just not there yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so talk to me about this new Facebook page you've started. It's, it's gaining a lot of, uh, uh, traction very fast. How can we go and find, uh, you there and what you're sharing? Yeah, well, it's titled friendly neighbor epidemiologist. Cause I, I just think kindness works very well. That's true. <laughs> and, and I'm a neighbor, so how about that? <laughs> it's not friendly neighborhood epidemiologist. That's a, a bigger group. Um, so friendly neighbor epidemiologist. And you know, I've, probably about a week and a half ago, I just started trying to explain to you know family members and friends of, hey, we we need to watch this. And you know, I think what happens is we read an article. Um, about flattening the curve, or we hear terms like are not an epidemic. And if you don't understand it, then I just don't read it anymore. Yep. Uh, you know, I just wanted to try to make it as accessible as possible to families. Cause at the end of the day, we, we all love our communities. We all love our parents and people that are at risk. So I'm just trying to, to put it in terms that moms and our kids can understand. Absolutely. And you've had some great videos up there. Uh, I know that they were super helpful and beneficial to us as a family. Um, as, as we, and this, I know this was a short interview, but I wanted to pack as much as I can into this before we go, any last words or thoughts and remarks that you would share just for all of us as we navigate these, uh, waters that kind of we've, we've never had to before. Yeah. I, I would just ask people to, to know that the more that we can do right now, we can shorten the curve. And so what that means is the impact will not be as severe if we don't do anything. Um, and just to, just to wait a week, 
yeah. and see what happens because we we are about to see quite a significant difference um, in our country because we're tracking behind Italy. So, you know, I'd say, and I'm also a person of faith. And so I, I, I'm doing a whole lot of walks and prayer and self-care and taking care of ourselves and our family while also taking it serious. So, yeah. you know, not to, not to fear, but not, but to be wise at the same time. Yeah. And, what I do impacts my parents and my, your grandparents. And, you know, I think if we keep that in mind, then hunkering down seems worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really feel like the current conversation is we're going to beat this, but guys, yeah. let's beat it faster. Let's not let it, you know, drag on. And I think if we take these measures, take them seriously, uh, at least from the data and insight that you've provided and some other places that I've read, the, the impact will not be uh, so long-lasting. Yeah, and it, it's, it is, the data is so strong on that. And just to put it in context, even for Italy, Italy has about 3.2 hospital beds per 1,000, and the U.S. has 2.8 to 3 beds per 1,000. So we actually have a lower amount relatively, you know, proportionally, than Italy does. So that's, I mean, the, you are right that the more that we can do right now, it will just, it will, it will exponentially impact what we're about to see in the next few weeks. Yep. Yep. Well, Emily, I, uh, I know that your phone is ringing off the hook and you're getting invites <laughs> all the time to come and speak with people. Um, thank you for your kindness and generosity of coming on. Um, I know the folks here, all of our listener, listeners at Good, True, and Beautiful um, are grateful for you and your work in the world. Um, we need Emily Smiths out there telling us how to navigate these waters. So thank you for all you're doing and uh, for that goodness that you are putting into the world. Oh, you are so welcome. And for all of those resources, including the CDC and everything, it's at Friendly Neighbor Epidemiologist. Beautiful. All right. Well, thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, and if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car. Uh, you allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all. And I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more. Uh, and we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid. Listen to the bluebirds sing and be love.